You're listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. Hello, and welcome to another new episode of Talk Daredevil, the Daredevil podcast brought to you by the Save Daredevil campaign. Today, we're bringing you an episode that we've been talking about since the early days of the pod. Um, This is our fandom Q&A episode, where we're going to answer all of your burning questions about Daredevil, the campaign, and everything else in between. I'm Phyllis, and today I'm joined by Lauren. Hi. And Sam. Hello. And we're so excited to get started on your questions. So we're going to dig into some campaign ones first. And this first one is by Vigilantes and Villains from Instagram, and they ask, what are the chances of Daredevil ever returning to any streaming source? With the show, there's a timing that you need to keep in mind. The more time that passes, the less chances we have of it coming back. Actors get older, they move on, it gets harder just to assemble the team back. What are the chances of that? I can't, and I don't think anybody outside of Marvel can give you a number for sure. But us as a campaign, we think there's chances and they are not bad because obviously Mm -hmm. we are here fighting. Now for the character, I think 100% because Daredevil is very popular. There's no way Marvel or Disney are going to sit on it forever. So even if they decided not to go with this team, you know, and not like just reboot, I will give them like five year stops for, for any news of a new Daredevil coming to either Hulu or Disney+. Plus. At least that's my thought. Uh, do you, any of you have any other opinion on that? No, I agree with you as well. Um, I mean, we've continued this campaign because throughout the last almost two years, we have continually got support from not only actors, but even from Marvel, who maybe didn't have anything to say specifically, but you know, keep fighting, keep talking to the people that you're talking to. Because there is a chance. I can't put a number on it. But if they're telling us to keep fighting, then we're going to keep fighting because they know better than us what those chances are. Yeah, we've always had this two-year moratorium to contend with. So any timing thing can't really be really accurate or thoroughly discussed until we've sort of passed this deadline and the rights revert, right? Now, kind of like what Sam was saying, there's a window in which they can redevelop this show as a revival using the same actors. And, you know, hopefully we will have a chance to see that happen within the next whoever knows. It could be a year. It could be two years. It's really unclear. We are on our side. We're we're, we're fighting. We're keeping the message clear and consistent and putting it out there. But it's not up to us. Right. It's up to us to make sure the volume of the fans um, desires and requests are loud. But it's up to Marvel to decide whether they think it's worth it. Now, on other episodes, we have discussed why we think it's worth it for Marvel to take a chance on bringing this cast back. So we're going to keep hoping and there's going to be a different stage of this campaign to deal with after November 29th. But again, with what Sam was saying about the character in general, though, Daredevil is just too valuable of a character in the Marvel family and as IP, they're not going to sit on that one for long. So either way, if you're a Daredevil fan, I think you can safely expect to see something Daredevil return. Okay, so how about we go to our next question from Oscar90265, also from Instagram. They say, I love listening to the podcast and keeping up with the campaign. My question is, as we get closer to the end of the moratorium, what are going to be your next steps once the day finally comes? Will there be another letter written to Kevin Feige, Hulu, or Disney? Or is there another similar event in the works to spread the word and push the campaign forward? 
Thank you for all the work you've done on the campaign to save this amazing show. I and many others really appreciate the work you're doing. It means a lot to all of us. Well, thank you, Oscar. That's really kind of you to say. And it's really always so encouraging to hear straight from the fans that this campaign means so much to them and that they are so appreciative that we've kept this going um, for as long as we have. As far as what our next steps are going to be, we've sort of talked about there's kind of everything leading up to November 29th. And then there's going to be everything kind of post November 29th. I can't remember now which episode we talked about this, but in a previous episode, we we did discuss just some of the difficulties that 2020 has posed just with the pandemic and people not being in offices and people not being out in the streets. So things that might have traditionally been part of a Save Your Show campaign toolbox like billboards and what we've done even last year with mailing boxes and letters and petition printouts and all that stuff to Disney and Hulu offices. It's just not entirely realistic for us to invest in that way. So right now, the thinking is that we're going to try to do as much as we can on social media and digitally. A big push that we're hoping to make that we've sort of laid the groundwork for is making sure on the 29th, of every month, kind of the past few months, we've been trying to make sure people know that we want to hit social media with the Save Daredevil hashtag. And we're going to really, we're putting in a lot of work behind the scenes right now to make sure we're, we have a lot of pieces in play to reach out to people to help us amplify that message for November 29th. So if there's any date that people should remember <laughs> to go out and do something and talk about Daredevil and talk about Save Daredevil, it's going to be culminating on November 29th. We also have a few projects that we're kind of discussing uh, at the moment to sort of bring us into that post-November 29th period where once the rights are back, when we ask Feige and we ask Marvel and Disney if they can do something, the the thinking is that they can do something. So our demand might get a little bit more specific. That's something that you should keep an ear out for. We're, we're hopefully going to be able to record a podcast about that, but we appreciate the question. So anyone else have anything to add? I know it kind of monopolized the time there. I think you did great. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, this is one um, from BeepingGoat22 from Twitter. This is something I thought of recently. Uh, was the Defenders ever officially canceled? And if not, would that prevent Marvel from using Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones? I know they're not making any more, but I just can't recall an official cancellation. It was a limited series. I don't think it was meant to continue like one season every other year or something like that. It was more of like a one-time off. And if it works, maybe we bring it back in a second part or something like that. So... I don't think it needed to be canceled. And it was a coalition. So the original contracts, I think, reside with the official shows. So I'm sure there's nothing linking the characters to that or limiting Marvel regarding Defenders. It, everything is done. Netflix mm-hmm. is just done with Marvel. And that's it. We are yeah. just waiting. And now after November or maybe next year for like Jessica Jones and The Punisher, then that's it. Nothing mm-hmm. else to do with Netflix. Of yeah. course, I haven't yeah. seen the contract, but yeah, that's we haven't seen any contracts. By the way, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course, but we do. We do have here from some of the actors, and I, I think yeah. last time we heard that the contracts were like they were released from the contracts, so there's nothing there. It's yeah. just whatever obligations Marvel and Disney still have with Netflix. That's all that's limiting. Yeah, but nothing that is still holding them with those contracts. Thank you for that question. So now we have some questions that kind of talk about what we might want to see in future Daredevil. And some of them are pretty fun. So I thought it'd be nice for us to dig into some of those. So we have a question from Heath Hayden 1982 on Twitter. And they ask, assuming Daredevil gets brought back exactly how we want it, what would be your ideal number of seasons you'd want to see it go for? And what, if any storylines from the comics, would you want to see adapted? So... 
if the original show had just gone, I would probably say five seasons, so maybe another two. But for me, I think it also depends on what they do if they bring it back. If, you know, what kind of quote unquote soft reboot they do, depending on how far in the future we're looking. I think they could realistically go for another three seasons, but typically I'm a definitely five seasons, maybe six seasons person. Like I think sometimes shows don't really know what they want to do after five seasons. So I really love ending at five seasons personally. As for storylines from the comic that I would want to see, I really like Echo. Mm. I think that would be a cool character to bring on. I don't know if they would bring the same exact storyline from the comics, but I think an iteration of her character, um, having another hero that is disabled, who is deaf, I mm-hmm. think that would be a really interesting thing to dive into. And I just really like the character. So I think that's one of the things that I would really like to see. Um, I think I agree with what Lauren said for the most part. I also want, I know the original plan was to have five seasons. That's pretty much what everybody has said. Like, that's, that was the original idea. Like, oh yeah, something around five seasons, more or less. And I think that's actually a good number for a show to run. It's not too long and it's not too short, not to let anything on the air. Regarding storylines, I'm probably one that knows the least about the comics. Probably, I don't know, in the campaign, but I mostly just want to see them continuing or rather, closing what they started which is like more Maggie because mm-hmm. we basically saw the beginning of Maggie and Matt's relationship I want more bullseye and I know if that were to continue they will probably pull a lot of stuff from the comics like they, ha- like they have been doing and just get some really cool stories from bullseye there and also for Vanessa because we saw mm-hmm. some dark stuff coming from her that's very interesting and that's what Major I want upgrade. to see yeah. oh yeah queen pen content and there's so there's a lot of really like interesting Vanessa stuff in the comics. So again, I I am not I'm not qualified to speak on comics either. I, I've read a lot of it, but I've only kind of read it like once or twice. So it's not sort of like in my bones the way it is for the real comics fans. So for me, I I, I can't think of any comic storylines specifically, but there are so many characters that I want to see brought in, yes. and that's something that the show has done yeah. so well, bringing in all of these iconic characters from from the Daredevil comics and bringing them to life in a way that I didn't entirely expect to see. And so I totally agree with they had a five season plan. Obviously, that might that might change as far as content wise. You know, if they were able to be brought back, they might not be able to do the same stories that they were going to do when they were originally on Netflix. But I think a couple more seasons to introduce back in some of those characters that we haven't had a chance to meet yet, that would be um, really fun for me to see. I also felt that the first three seasons were very much his origin story. And we got to the end of season three and it was like, okay, I felt that in season four, you were really going to see him kind of become Daredevil and Mm -hmm. figure out as much as Matt Murdock can being Daredevil and Matt. So I was really looking forward to that, Foggy and Karen knowing, but also being a part of the team. And also, Mm -hmm. as you said, Sam, like Maggie, that was a one of my favorite parts of season three. And I actually hadn't read that part in the comics yet. I'm slowly making my way through. And it just for whatever reason, I didn't realize. So I was totally blown out of the water that it was his mom. So I was really looking forward to that in season four. Yeah. 
agree. No, that's great. And by the way, this answer kind of covered a couple of other questions we had on our list by M Crooked Lettery and TBXQCM on Instagram. You kind of both were asking us questions about, you know, what we would like to see kind of in like a potential Daredevil season four. So hopefully that sort of answered some of your questions. We have a question now from Sinbad28 on Twitter, who says, we could have had five years of post-snap stories in Hell's Kitchen with the surviving Defenders and our Punisher. Now Daredevil survives. So number one is your choice on who else makes it. And number two, the return and how we slash they deal with it. So what I took away from this was what do we see as like potential post-snap treatment of Daredevil if we were bringing him into kind of everything that happened in the MCU. Does that sound kind of right? Yeah, I said, I think I said jokingly, uh, Foggy snaps and then we have a depressed man. <laughs> but that's too hard. So <laughs> I don't know, maybe Marcy and Maggie snap. Marcy and Maggie? I mean, Maggie snapping will be really tough too because he just got Maggie back and her snapping will be like, oh, she's gone now too you know um yeah marcy and maggie that's that, that's my choices for who snaps and i think i would love to have a daredevil that is focusing on trying to fix some of what is going on in um in new york because we see a pretty depressed new york and pretty destroyed mm-hmm. new york even like it's, it's all falling apart and i bet there's a lot of legal stuff going on that nobody can figure out because half of the population just disappeared Yeah, there was definitely someone on our team, and I can't remember who, so my apologies to whoever had this idea. (laughs) You can can tell me later if this was you. Um, But I think someone has suggested like a post-snap version of the show where season four cuts straight to Nelson, Murdoch, and Paige, helping to clean up all the legal messes that were caused by the snap and then everyone returning. Um, So that would be a really interesting kind of legal-heavy, perhaps, um, version of that story. I really like what you were saying, though, Sam, if if we saw a show of Matt slash Daredevil and whoever else is left with him during that period of time. Because, I mean, if we want to really go dark and, yes. and gritty and kind of depressing, like that would be the time. And I think people have wondered rightfully, like, OK, because the whole setup of the show was that this Daredevil happened post um, invasion in the Avengers movie. So that's why Hell's mm-hmm. Kitchen is run down and, and semi dilapidated or whatever. And I know people have sort of posited like, oh, what what would have Matt's experience have been during that invasion? <laughs> Freaking aliens coming out of a portal <laughs> in the sky. So kind of on the flip side, oh, that would be super fascinating to see what how Matt deals with literally like just people disappearing and then kind of the fallout of that it would just be a, a different way to experience that in between time, right so yeah. i agree cool i kind of also want him fighting Clint on that mm. because you know oh. Clint kind of went unhinged and just yeah. like killing and all stuff oh. and i would love to see like a showdown between matt murdoch and Clint. just I, I don't know i think that would be really cool yeah, yeah. yes that would be amazing i'm i'm all for that and look, if we're bringing in like Yakuza stuff, like bring back my girl, yes. Electra. Yes, Electra. Yes. Bring her back. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I think I read a fanfic uh, once and it was Foggy disappearing in the room. I was shook. I was like, I can't yeah. do this. I can't. I can't do this. It is hard. <laughs> But I would say, realistically, like, I guess, like, the pacing of the show and just, like, what we've done in the last three seasons, mm-hmm. I would probably choose, like, Marcy to snap. I love you, Amy. I'm sorry. I know. Sorry, Amy. But, we love you. <laughs> but, 
Foggy has kind of been the the happy one, the easygoing one, the one that hasn't really had like anything bad happen to him. You know, Karen has been put through the ringer. <laughs> exactly. And, and Matt. So I think it's kind of Foggy's turn. And because he's such a different character too, like how he would handle that. Because I don't really want to break up the avocados. Yeah. We finally yeah. got them back at the end of season yes. three. So... I would say keep them together. I'd say keep Maggie because Matt needs that. um, A grounding presence. uh, Yeah, a grounding presence. But I do think it would be interesting to see him operate in a New York post snap because that would maybe even give them the opportunity to bring in other guests. You know, you mentioned Clint, which Mm -hmm. I'm all for, (laughs) and Electra, you know, Punisher, anybody else like in that world who is maybe in the periphery that we haven't met yet. Kind of like, okay, banding together, you know, making their defenders. I want to see Jessica back. I Mm -hmm. loved Matt and Jess so much. I just think that would be really cool. Yeah, agreed. Okay, I'm going to just one question to sort of end this category. And we can keep this brief, but how about Steve on Instagram asks, who would who do you want to see Daredevil fight next? So I just want Bullseye to be honest. Mm. The enhanced Bullseye at the end at the end of season three. That's what I want to do. Because my I think I mentioned this a lot of times um in the past two years. I want to see Matt and Electra teaming up against Bullseye. Oh that's what wow. I want. Yes. And yes. I'm still <laughs> I haven't moved from that. That's all yeah. I want. That's my choice. No, that's amazing. I would love to see that. I just really want to see Matt and Electra back fighting together. But I would say Gladiator. They mm. were putting those Easter eggs in. You know, I mean, they had him. Yeah. He's yeah. all set up too. Yeah, you know. he's all set up. The fallout in season three. And I think that would be a great... So what I think they would have done was they would have shelved bullseye for season mm-hmm. four and brought him back in season five kind of like what they did with kingpin mm-hmm. uh, and brought somebody else and i was gonna hope gladiator yeah for me i know this was part of the original plan and even if it doesn't happen exactly like this if the show does come back i would still love to see this i really want to see daredevil and typhoid mary um, yes i really did love alice eve's take on her um, and I would have been really interested to see how they would have changed her up a little bit when she was in the Daredevil world. But that's just such a fascinating dynamic to me. Um, and I know they could have done some really interesting things adapting her to the Daredevil show and changing it up from what we know of her in the comics. But I'm also really, you know, I, I guess even though I love Bullseye, I love Daredevil, I love Kingpin, I love Punisher, all these really interesting male characters, I do have a soft spot for these kind of interesting messed up female counterparts. So yeah, that would be my <laughs> <Definitely>. choice. <laughs> okay, so now we have a bunch of questions that kind of talk about the show in general, but we have another one from Heath Hayden in 1982. And they ask, every season has similar themes, but each is uniquely different. What do you uniquely enjoy about each? season well for me season one was very it has this ambient of being like noir and taking a lot of like detective work and you have the legal stuff like it's the most heavy of all the seasons in that particular area it was also very street level more so than season two and season three Mm -hmm. so i appreciate that a lot from season one from season two i really like the characters interaction i think it is the best season when it comes to that like even if the plot was messy and whatever you want to say like the character interactions and the dialogues between them they run very very true and, and you fail the pain i really feel the pain in season mm-hmm. two so much that sometimes it gets heavy 
just to watch. So I really like the character perspective from season two, and I think it's the one that did it the best. Then you have season three, which is a bit of a mix between both of them, but it's also the one that gives you the more insight into Matt. You really get into his head, and I don't know, it's very deep with the characters, just like their personal struggles, and it does it because you don't see that much with Karen in season one or even in season two or foggy with season one and two, yeah. but then you see everybody struggling and you see what makes everybody think in season three. And I really appreciate it. So these are like, for me, the things that each season took and did really well. And I wish we could have had a season for the combine all of them or something, <laughs> and it will be even better. <laughs> yeah. I have a similar take on um, what I took away from each season, season two, especially I think what I usually like to characterize that season is it's the most comic booky season it's just it feels like yes. it's pulled from the comic books like it feels like those panels are pulled out and put onto the screen that's true. i think it's also because you you have i think the most of these like you have punisher you have electro you also have a kingpin kind of appearance um so that was a lot of fun for me it's just if you imagine that each season would have kept building on the themes that they had introduced the season before and like introducing something new and making it even better like i can only imagine what it would have been like if they had gone through the its entire run of ideas but you know fingers crossed that we're still gonna be able to see some of that come to fruition this is a question from eros elric on twitter and you sort of briefly mentioned this, Sam, in uh, your answer, but what qualities do you think make a good street-level superhero story as far as live-action adaptations go? Oh, this is a hard question, and it's one that might make some people salty with my answer. <laughs> because here's the thing, there's actually not that many street-level superheroes, or rather stories, in live-action in live action out there. Mm. That's the truth. I was thinking just before this, what stories do we have? Okay, we have Arrow, but mm -hmm. it's mostly season one, a bit of season two. And like then we have um, Daredevil, and we'll say season one, not really season two and season three. Uh, we have The Flash, season one, too. Um, Black Lightning. We have very few of them because... What happens with live action is they try to go with the grandeur story mm. and they have like these big organizations taking over. So they are not that very street level, not even Spider-Man, which is the street level, the street level superhero. Mm. The MCU Spider-Man is not street level. He's fighting uh, Iron Man's people, you know, mm. uh, and all that. So there aren't that many. And it's hard to say what makes them good when there's not that many. I, for me pers personally, I think what makes them good is actually showing just the people, like what's troubling them, their struggles and everything. Black Lightning might be one of the best out there right now, to be honest. The overall best is probably going to be another level season one. With Arrow, I remember when I was watching it, you see the people out there, like how they are suffering, how's the neighbor suffering, what's like what's troubling them. And you see the hero actually connecting with the people they are trying to save. And I think that's what is important because what that's what the street levels mean. It's not like taking this big threat that is going to destroy the world or destroy the city, or, you know. It's just like, oh, this person is struggling because they don't have money, they have fall off path, and you have the hero trying to connect, trying to steer them to a better path. And you see that a lot in the mm -hmm. comics. And so you can see that in the Spider-Man comics, you can see that in their Daredevil comics, but they are not that popular in live action. I don't know why, maybe it's because they think it won't sell as much as having something 
bigger and you know mm-hmm. scarier just taking over but I, I don't know that's my take yeah it's a good take sam <laughs> yeah no it's good thank you i'd have to agree a lot of shows when it's more of like a street level hero they start off very street level and they kind of just get more grandiose more explosions more yeah kind of like yeah, yeah. You know, I love superheroes. Um, I do love the MCU. I have a lot of fun watching those shows. But my bread and butter is character development and character mm-hmm. studies. And so that's why I, I just really love... I mean, I love all the seasons of Daredevil. But in that regard, I love season three because you really got to dig into Matt and, you know, what was going on in his head. Even Karen and Foggy. I think I remember Eric saying, like, they were the hero of their own story. So we, we really focused on all three. But yeah, I, I love when they really focused on the character. And back in the day, I was a big fan of Smallville. And in those early seasons, though he is arguably one of the greatest heroes in the universe, he it was very focused on him as a person. And, and like, yeah, he could stop bullets and everything. But... It was really just about like his character and the stories and stuff. I feel like we're much smaller and, and almost kind of like more street level in those early seasons, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does make sense. And also to give a shout out to the uh, stunt guys, all the practical effects I am really there for. I think it really drives home the street level feel of the show. I think when you get into too much many of the digital effects, you know, sometimes you kind of lose that. And I understand sometimes things you have to do digitally. And if they're done well, that's great. But I do love the practical. Uh, and just to clarify before somebody flames me, <laughs> I'm not saying that like the shows I mentioned are better or worse or anything. I'm just saying like who handled the street level elements the best. Because I still, I, I love season three. It is my favorite season of Daredevil. But when I just look back at it and think, was it really street level? I got, um, not that much, not really. Like, it has some moments that it was, but uh, it was majorly about the FBI and the corruption and all this stuff. And that's not really like the street level or, you know, the base of street level. Just that is who handles it better. Yeah. That's it, not who's better. Just in case somebody comes in the comment section saying, oh, you think Arrow is better than Daredevil? How dare you? <laughs> I mean, this is still a Daredevil podcast, and this is a same Daredevil game. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Believe, believe us when we say Daredevil is still tops. <laughs> yeah, no, I do think that's interesting that they did focus a lot on the FBI and, and things like that. But for that storyline, you know, it definitely was a, a pivot. Like, he wasn't a hero. You know, he wasn't doing anything for the community at that point. It was all very internally focused. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was definitely an interesting just take, and I loved it. I loved all three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our next question is from, I'm sorry if I pronounce this wrong, Michaeli Sampaio on Facebook. They ask, I always wondered if that cast was the first option to play the roles or if the production had any other actors in mind. If so, who are they and did they audition? So we were thinking about this one. The only thing that we really have ever heard of as far as like notable stories about casting is the very famous one about how Joe Casada watched Boardwalk Empire um, and when he saw Charlie Cox on that show, thought, okay, this is Matt Murdock. There are various places where you can kind of see that story um, told. As far as who else might have been up for these roles, I don't think it's ever really come out. Who else might have been in the running or if anyone's ever publicly talked about auditioning for this show. 
So we don't know. Um, we would love to know if anyone had stories like that, though. But if um, you're interested in anything about casting, during Save Daredevil Con, we did have a cast roundtable. And a lot of them talked about how they were cast and um, working with the casting director on that show. And that was really fascinating for us to kind of learn about that process. So if, if anyone out there is interested in knowing more about how different roles were cast, that would be a good video to watch. So if you go to our Save Daredevil YouTube channel, um, you'll be able to find that cast roundtable that was actually moderated by Lauren. That's a little something you can enjoy. So I'm going to move on to our next question, which is from Joshua Flowers on Twitter. And they ask, there probably isn't a lot of interest in this, but do you think we might one day get a Blu-ray release of season three? I already have the first two and would love to add it to the collection. And I think Sam might know a little bit about how this would pan out. Yeah, so I will say it depends on who holds the right for home video. I really don't know who does. I don't think it's Netflix, though, but I can't say because I, I don't know the contract. So I can say for sure, like, oh, no, Netflix doesn't have those rights. But if it is Netflix that has the home video rights, I say we probably won't get a Blu-ray disc anytime soon. Uh, at least not until like the rights revert back to Disney, because they don't really have an incentive to, you know, get that out of out there. If the rights are with Disney, which is what I think, uh, because they have the rights for transaction videos on demand, which is uh, when you buy the, them through Google or through Amazon and you pay for the episode, uh, Disney has that right. It's not Netflix. If it is Disney, I think we will probably get a Blu-ray this Sunday. And I will say, like, my educated guess will be probably after or together with an announcement for the new Daredevil live action or whatever adaptation they are doing, just to hype. Like, if they are going to reboot or if they are going to do a season four or something like that, I will say they're probably released Blue Tray with that. So hopefully next year, maybe, maybe they will do an announcement and we'll have the Blu-ray by then. But that's my take on it. I really hope it's not Netflix and then that they are just sitting on it to spice up. I really hope it's not the case. Yeah, I mean, I don't even, yeah, because the other shows that got into season two, they never got a Blu-ray release for anything past season one. So if Netflix does hold those rights, then we probably won't ever see it. But hopefully they don't and it will just be a strategic marketing move. Yeah. When they bring these characters back. Thanks, Sam. We appreciate your insight on that. You're welcome. <laughs> Our next question is from Danny Boyd on Facebook. And he asks, I'd love to know more about the show's opening credits, how the concept came about for the credits, were there alternative ideas, and how long did it take to create those graphics? One of the few shows in which I love the opening credits and never skip past them. So I was very excited to see this question. I am I'm a designer. I really enjoy all the creative things about the show. And I, I, I'm not going to go on at length in this because there's just a much there's just much better information that I can point you to on these title credits. But the titles were actually created by a studio named Elastic, and you might recognize their work on a lot of other shows. They sort of are, maybe pioneer isn't the right word, but they're kind of at the forefront of these like really cool creative title sequences. So they did Man in the High Castle, they did True Detective Season 2, they did all the other Defender shows, The Crown, Westworld, Altered Carbon, Game of Thrones. So... A lot of these like cool credits, um, opening credits that you've seen all kind of go back to the studio. And there is a really interesting interview slash article that's on a website that I really enjoy called artofthetitle.com. 
And they basically just write about like title sequences and kind of the process of how they get made. And the one about Daredevil in particular is really cool. They interview the creative director and the designer and the CG people that worked on it. And they kind of show you sort of the concepts, um, the initial treatments, the storyboards. So we're going to include that link in our show notes. But highly recommend you go to that website and find the article about the Daredevil credits and they also have uh, they have write-ups on the other Defenders show credits, too, if you're interested in that. Thank you for that question. It's fun to see other people like kind of interested in how these things are made. Okay, so there was a question from Spidey Mouse on YouTube. I actually know who this is. Um, hello, Spidey Mouse. But they, uh, I think, left a comment on our How Did You Become a Fan of Daredevil uh, YouTube uh, page and asking about what my origin story um, and favorite fandom moment is. So I'm just going to do it super quick just for him. My origin story is actually quite similar to a lot of the people's origin stories that you heard a few episodes ago, but I discovered Daredevil through the movie. I don't remember what year this was <laughs> anymore, but it must have been during college. I either watched that movie or I watched the Electra movie. I can't quite remember. Only thing I remember was I was a huge Jennifer Garner fan. That was the only reason why I wanted to watch Daredevil uh, anyway. So when I did, I really absorbed nothing <laughs> from the movie except Jennifer Garner looked great and that the music was pretty cool. But what it did uh, in retrospect was I think it primes me for 2015 uh, when the show came out and I already knew who Daredevil was. I knew who Kingpin was. I knew who Bullseye was. I knew kind of the main players and, you know, Elektra. And when the show came out, I think I just already there was something the little seed was planted within me all those years ago. Uh, with the movie uh, so that when the show came out, I was like, oh, I know who these people are. Oh, wait, the show is like amazing. It's awesome. It's nothing I'd ever seen before. I had I still am quite a snob when it comes to television. And I wasn't going to give Daredevil a chance until I kind of read all the reviews and people were like, oh, my gosh, you know, we haven't seen anything like this before um, from a superhero show from Marvel, you know, this cast, the main character, everything just made me feel like, OK, I need to check this out. So when I did, I, I just I loved season one so much. But I think once I got to season two, maybe again, the movie from before, but when Electra was introduced, I was like, all right, guys, this got locked in. This is like now part of me. <laughs> so I would like to credit Jennifer Garner, her Electra in the movie, her Electra movie <laughs> for setting the stage for me to become the huge Daredevil fan, show fan that I am now. And, you know, from that from season two was when I jumped into comics and sort of just read everything that I could on, on Marvel Unlimited. And then from there, I got into the Tumblr fandom. You know, Sam, I think you kind of joined right as I was like uh, spending less time there. Um, otherwise, I'm sure we would have run into each other sooner. Yeah. But that was sort of like my reintroduction to fandom because that was something that had always been a part of my life kind of like throughout one of my earliest fandoms I can remember was like Sailor Moon, I think, in like elementary school. And I had like different like fandoms for like WB shows and like middle school. So that was something that was a really consistent part of my life and my formative years, finding fandom communities and finding people that like love the same thing that I do. So it was great kind of as an adult being a mom, like being able to find that again with Daredevil. 
Um, and really from there, you know, I have so many favorite moments as a Daredevil fan. Um, but one of the more memorable ones that I can think of, and just because it's so recent to Daredevil season three's anniversary, at least as of this recording, one of my favorite moments I can think of is when I binged season three in one sitting with two of my Daredevil friends at the time and also team members now, Van and Aisha. Um, I had never watched any show in one sitting before, but it started at midnight Pacific time in California and we finished at 3 p.m. the next later that day uh, in the afternoon and then my kids got out of school at 3.20. <laughs> so it was like oh this gosh. like intense ride and then I was like, okay, mom's done. I can go back to real life. Oh my but God. it was just so fun, like watching that show with people stay. I, I, my body has, is not like I, you know, I'm used to staying up with like babies, but I hadn't really stayed up like that since like college. You know? um, so that's just something that was like so much fun. So that's sort of my quick in a nutshell, how I became a fan and like my favorite moment. But yeah, thanks for asking that. Okay, so we're getting into our last group of questions now, and these are a few more uh, campaign-related ones. So this first one is from Naomi Aiko uh, on Instagram. Uh, she asks, "How? Oh, sorry, assuming she, how did you guys meet each other and create Save Daredevil? Now, if you haven't watched all of our Save Daredevil Con content, we actually have a panel where a bunch of us from the team get together and talk about this very thing. So on our YouTube channel, I don't remember what we called it, but it's essentially a roundtable with our team members. We talk about kind of how our campaign came to be, how we met each other, other kind of tips we have for Save Your Show campaigns. Um, but essentially, the short story is that we met each other online. <laughs> <laughs> someone started a Twitter chat, invited most of us in there. We didn't all necessarily know each other. From that Twitter chat, that kind of turned into the first iteration of the campaign team. Then we dragged in a few more people that were really gung-ho on social media, like Sam and Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, yeah. that's kind of how we came to be. So sort of your quintessential internet fandom friend experience. And we were all just so so on the same wavelength of mad that, you know... Oh, it, yeah. uh, it brought us together and we've been friends ever since. Yeah, I think I started bugging you on Twitter DMs about two weeks after the, the cancellation. And you finally were like, would you like a link to our <laughs> Discord? I'm like, of course. For me, it was my origin story with it. Sorry, if there was, I was in a corner of Tumblr, just minding mm. my own business, uh, you know waiting for somebody to renew then they announced the cancellation and i was so 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 sad and i saw the renew there that will be for that i was preparing yeah. for that and then you put up an announcement that you were going to be doing something else that you were trying to come up with i don't know and i was looking at i was refreshing the page being honest like oh funny. Is, is, <laughs> do they have something now do they have something now like i hope that, we didn't keep me. you waiting for too long <laughs> no but i think it was one of uh, my Tumblr friends, she was with you, but she's no longer with us. Uh, I mean, she, she didn't die or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the campaign. Yeah. But um, she just one day, because she knew how anxious I was waiting for, for yeah. any notice. And she was like, do you want to come to the Discord? And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Bring me up. And that was it. I was in. And now I can't imagine actually not having you girls around because right? you're part of my daily life. For the yeah. last two years. Uh, yeah, like we're a support group. 
a Daredevil fandom Seriously. support group. Yeah, yeah. it's got Pretty us much. through all of our emotions about the show, but also <laughs> real life stuff too. So that's oh kind gosh. of the power of fandom. That's just something that was sort of this unexpected benefit from doing this campaign together. And, you know, if you are interested, I think if you go on our website at SaveDaredevil.com, we also have like a few interviews that we've done with a few different sites that also talk about like the genesis of the campaign. So a lot of reading material and viewing material if you really wish to do a deep dive on us. Our next question is from Snoochie. Hi, Snoochie. From Instagram. And she asks, was there ever a moment when you came close to giving up and what helped you to keep going? I feel like one of my... My, one of the darkest moments. <laughs> um, this is actually before I was in the Discord on the, the campaign was when they announced that they were selling the prop. Mm. Uh-huh. That there was an auction for insiders. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I wasn't in the Discord yet. And I remember actually being at Chick-fil-A with my kids. Oh, my gosh. This is over. But then it yeah. just kept going. But... I do feel like there was maybe one, once or twice things that happened in the campaign where as a team, nobody was really willing to say it, but we were all kind of feeling like, is this it? And mm. then, but we were all there for each other. I don't know if any of you remember. It's been a blur, <laughs> to be quite honest. But I think I know those moments that you're talking about usually kind of coincide with news, right? Yeah, like there would be um, news. Of, and Of like changes of things yeah. that are outside of our control, right? I think for me, the most prominent moment would be like right before we actually started the proper Save Daredevil campaign, because we had been, you know, I was part of the original Renew Daredevil group. We'd been planning kind of just in, gosh, we like were working so hard and so much and talking all the time and making this whole plan to do the Renew Daredevil like tweet fest on that Friday and literally on that day is when they announced the cancellation. And I remember just I was like completely gutted. And I th- I think maybe we were all different levels of prepared for like that news, but like until it happened, like you just didn't realize like how hard that was going to hit and that hit like really really hard and you know the the morale of the you know it just like plummeted. And I remember thinking, gosh, I don't know, you know, because I had already invested this this one week, <laughs> this one week of my time. <laughs> so much time. <laughs> so much right. time. And I was like, oh, my God. It's like as if they plan to basically like stab me in the heart and like completely take away my uh, my motivation. And so that was like Friday. I was down and out and. After a few days, kind of like by the time we got on the other side of the weekend and on Monday, I was feeling more like, okay, I think I can do this. But there was a point, I think, like at some point in that early part of that weekend when the group was talking, I was like, I don't know, guys, like if someone else wants to like take this over and keep going, like I'll I'll support you guys. But I just don't know if I can. But clearly that didn't happen. <laughs> I've stuck in there now for <laughs> almost yeah. two years. You know, now at at this point, it's going to be a little bit hard to like peel me away from this campaign short of someone telling me straight up this ain't going to happen, but hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to keep going. Well, for me, I mean, I was very low. I mean, you already heard me say that I was just clicking refresh on your renewed or double web page to see if anything has happened. But the low, low 
point for me when I was like, oh, maybe it's not going to happen was actually with the restructuration of Marvel when Marvel TV was talking mm-hmm. to uh, Marvel Studio. That was what, because you really don't know what's going on at Disney and at Marvel. And it was a period of a lot of uncertainty and you didn't know who was there. Like we have met a lot of people that were supporting us from the Marvel side. That was more from the Marvel Entertainment and Marvel TV side. So we didn't really have much contact with the studio. I was like, okay, what now? So all the support we had is gone or something? Mm -hmm. Uh, The thing that kept me going at that time was that we had met, just met a couple of days before that, Joe Quesada on the roof. (laughs) And I think he must have known that that was coming. I was like, why will this guy waste his time coming to us if he thought that there was no chance at all of this to happen even when they were going into a studio i was like okay no i I can keep going like if he thinks there's a chance then i think there's a chance because he knows better that's that that was my reasoning that was my low point and that's that's how i got over it yeah oh i was going to piggyback on what i said earlier i think early on when the news broke that there was a cooling off period. I don't feel like we knew that, and the news broke, and it was it was like it, yeah, it was like early December, right? So yeah, and there was just a couple of those news stories that when they hit, they felt like okay, this this is not going to happen, and and usually at that point, you know, we didn't really know each other um, in the Discord, and I feel like you know people got a little silent, a little bit like okay, what's going to happen, but. I feel like the longer we were together and the the more things that we had to just like overcome as a team, instead of getting so almost stressed about something, we would just like, okay, pivot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah. how, how do we pivot? Like, what's yeah. next? How do we handle this? Let's. That's true. This isn't the first or the last. Who would have thought that this two years would see Disney completely restructure? And mm-hmm. Marvel TV ceased to be what it was, and a pandemic. <laughs> like, oh dear! And like, we rolled with it, and, and we just rolled with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's been a crazy two years for sure. Yeah. But again, couldn't imagine a better a better team to weather it out yes. with. Can't imagine a better fandom to be grinding this long haul out with too. Um, and again, we're so we're we're so close to that date. Hopefully after that point, the potential of news just feels more and more real. So we've kind of just been like, okay, let's make sure that we're, we manage to tread water is not the right term, but let's like, you know, make sure that we're here and we're ready to just burst out of the gate again once we clear that moratorium date. So this is the last question. I don't have a name on this one, but this was a DM sent to another team member of ours. But they ask, if Save Daredevil succeeds, what happens to the campaign? I think we could even say whether we succeed or don't. I think we're here. I don't know. Anybody want to answer that? Well, I do have an answer for that. We we make a watch party. Everybody together. Everybody watches season four or whatever. We are happy. We are tweeting about it. And we party in real life, too, because these two crazies, uh, like these two years have been crazy and we deserve it. So... But what happens to the campaign? I think we'll still be there, even if it, it is just interacting with the white fandom, because we love Daredevil, and that's what we want to do. Yeah. Lauren, I don't know if you remember this. I remember it, though. Is early on in the days of the campaign, I think we briefly talked about this, like what would happen 
after the campaign finished. And I think we talked about SaveDaredevil.com turns into like fandom without fear. It turns into like the fandom without fear page. And so I think no matter what happens with the campaign, whether it succeeds or not, I think this campaign still lives on as some sort of presence and community for the greater Daredevil fandom. So, yes, I do remember that. Yeah. You know, even with this podcast, when I originally came up with it, I was thinking, okay, let's get enough episodes to get us to the moratorium. But this team is like, we have ideas <laughs> for all this other right? stuff we can do. So <laughs> whether you like it or not, guys, like we're going to stick around and we're going to keep talking Daredevil and we're going to keep putting our love out there and then just, you know, having the space open for everyone um, to share in their love with us. These are some great questions, you guys. Big thank you to the fans who sent things in. So once again, if you're not following us on social media yet, you can follow us at Renew Daredevil on Twitter and at Save Daredevil pretty much everywhere else. The big thing that's coming up on all of our radars is November 29th is the final day of this two-year moratorium. At that point, we should assume that the rights have reverted to Disney and Marvel. So what we want to make sure we get out there is we want all of you, especially if you're on Twitter, to go online and join us. Hashtag save Daredeviling as loud as you can, because we really want Marvel and Disney to notice. So make sure you're following us. We're going to have some updates on how we're going to do that, how we're going to get everyone together. If you haven't yet, I don't know why you wouldn't have done this yet, but if you haven't signed the petition, you can do that at savedaredevil.com slash petition. You can tell everyone you know, send the petition. We'll still have a, a couple more weekly challenges, but really, you know, just send that link out as generously as you can. And yeah, we're going to have a couple more episodes after this to lead us into the, those final days of this month. Make sure you're subscribed to us wherever you listen to podcasts if you like what you hear we would love for you to leave us a rating and especially a review and i guess that's it so again thank you so much for these questions we had such a fun time answering them and we'll see you next time thanks guys thanks thank you thank you for listening to talk daredevil the official podcast of the save daredevil campaign for more information on Save Daredevil, please visit our website at savedaredevil.com. Remember, Murdoch's always get back up.